right, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Mad Nucleus Podcast. And I'm your host. For those that do know, I'm Justin Felton. And for those that don't know, I'm Justin Felton. And thank you all for listening once again. And make sure you sign up to Anchor and Spotify. All you need is an email, make up a password, and you're in there. All the way in. But now that we got that all together, like I said, thank you again for listening. And today, we are doing a recap of this past week's NFL games. And first, I want to just get through the league's games, and then I will talk about my boys. And we got lots to talk about there. All right. This past week, we're not just going to, we're not going to break down, you know, the game after game after game. We're going to talk about the biggest topics that's going on around the league. For instance, we're talking about, you know, some upsets of quarterbacks that lost that probably shouldn't have lost and teams that shouldn't have lost. Uh, I mean, it's still early in the season. So, you know, the upsets are still happening and, you know, it's going to continue on, you know, for another two or three weeks with upsets happening at the end of the year with playoff implications and stuff. But right now we're not talking about playoffs right now. We're just talking about these week three matchups and stuff. What went on? What was the surprise? What was the shock? And for me, let me start with the Kansas city chiefs playing at the Colts. Now, as you all know, last week, the Colts got embarrassed And when I say embarrassed, I mean embarrassed at home by their division rivals, none other than the Jaguars. The Jaguars are an improved team, but they're not that good to shut anybody out. They were shut out at home, what was it, 24 to nothing? By the Jaguars, the Colts was. They got embarrassed. And I'm going to tell you, um, this was the perfect setup for the Kansas City Chiefs who... um, Last week came off of, you know, a day at the office type victory. They were riding high. Possibly the best team in the league. Definitely uh, one and one A top two teams in the AFC along with the Buffalo Bills. More on them in a minute. Um, They went into the uh, Colts house and, you know, from the start, it was, you know, punch you in the mouth, smash mouth type football type of game. Low scoring. A lot of penalties, you know, a lot of miscues and stuff, and it came down to the wire. Well, lo and behold, the Colts are still hanging in there. The Chiefs are having trouble. They were frustrated, and they upset the Chiefs. It was the perfect formula for an upset. You know, a team that got embarrassed like the Colts ain't going to get embarrassed again. They went in there, you know, they said we're not. You know, if we lose this, we're going to make them earn this victory. And boy, did they make them earn everything. And in return, they're the ones that got the reward. So congratulations on the Colts, but it's early. So, you know, you know, the Chiefs ain't going to play like that uh, next week. Whoever they play, uh, they're going to get the Chiefs best again. And if they do play like that next week, we might. I think people will start changing their tune on how they look at the Chiefs. But we will see. It's early. Next one I want to talk about is 
the Bills visiting the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> now there's a, there's several stories in this game. You know, this this game I watched most of this game and it was very intriguing. It was very exciting. So where do I start? Should I start with the uh, Tua hit, which really was not roughing the passer? He pushed them. Tua falls on the ground awkwardly, and they 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 blow they they throw the flag, and Tua can't even get up. He's got like spaghetti legs, like he's been knocked out by Mike Tyson. And you know, he takes a concussion protocol, and it's clear he does have a concussion. But he goes back into the game and plays. And he leads his team to victory. Gutsy performance. But they're not, they're not going to give him credit for a gutsy performance. They're going to talk about his concussion. And now they're they discussing these concussion protocols. And they're really going to clamp down now. If you got a slight hint of, of a concussion, you know, they're going to take you out the game permanently, even if you can get back out there, you somehow got yourself coherent, you're thinking straight, you're talking straight, everything. If there was anybody that knows anything about that, it's two guys that knows how to manipulate it. And it was Troy Aikman and Steve Young because they were the concussion brothers. Um, Another story was uh, Mike McDaniel. If you look at Mike McDaniel, he kind of reminds you of Weird Al Yankovic. He has a weird look, but he has this, this Albert Einstein type aura to him. I'm not calling him a genius, but the dude is extremely smart. You know, he ain't the most Hollywood looking guy in the world. He's not pretty and handsome and stuff, but the dude seems like he knows what he's doing. And he said some very awkward and quirky things at his press conferences, but make no mistake, this dude has the Dolphins plan well. He has them guys believing over there, down there. And South Beach is smiling right now. You know, Mike McDaniel is very much missed by my 49ers. More on them in the next segment. And you'll see why I say that. But Mike McDaniel, I think, has a bright future in this league, but it's still early. He could end up being a dud and drop four or five straight, but I don't think so because Miami's defense is for real, and they got some weapons on offense. And they play in a very uh, semi-competitive yet winnable division. So we'll see and keep an eye on them as well. But the next story is, okay, the Dolphins almost blew this game, though. Due to a special teams miscue. That miscue was when the kicker, no, the punter in the end zone kicked the ball directly to the back of his man and it ended up being a safety, making it 22 to 24. Dolphins still winning. But then it was like, oh boy, here we go, just when a young team. An up-and-coming team seems like they're making strides. Here comes these uh, mistakes, and we've seen it time and time again, and very rarely do they weather the storm. But they did weather the storm. They pulled out the victory due to bad clock management by the Bills. The Bills had bad clock management on the last uh, two plays of that drive. No, the last play of that drive more so in particular, which leads to the next story which leads to the next story of 
Ken Dorsey pretty much ripping that booth down. It was so bad that he had to blank out the camera and finish tearing down that booth. They will be sending him a bill from Miami Stadium if it, if he really did damage some stuff in there because Ken Dorsey was livid. And you love that kind of passion. You understand it because it's stuff like this you practice on all week, all off season to get right. And bad clock management is unacceptable, especially in close games like that. So, you know, anybody that blames Ken Dorsey and saying it's your fault that it's happening and stuff like that, I don't necessarily think so because, you know, you think things go perfect, you practice on it and things fall apart. Game time situations and stuff is different from practice, but nobody should ever put that on Ken Dorsey. You know, that that's on the coaches out on the field that's right there knowing the situation and the players because they practiced on this a lot. You know, I won't put that on Ken Dorsey, but maybe he needs to come down on the field and pull them guys aside and say, remember what happened last time? That can't happen again and this and this and that. So, yeah, man. And he was livid. I mean, everybody and their mama saw the video. The video is viral and it's become already, I think, pop culture because I was watching this video that was unrelated to sports. It was related to entertainment. And the guy used Ken Dorsey's, you know, livid eruption in his video as a gag. And, you know, I love it. I, I you know. Big ups to Ken Dorsey, who will definitely have a future as a head coach in the league. And also, we got to talk about Josh Allen. You know, being Josh Allen, the MVP candidate, to a plan like he truly believes in himself. You know, he's always played with a lot of guts and grit and stuff like that. So, you know. But uh, what, what about what about any more games yesterday that was kind of upsetting oh yeah the Raiders they are 0 and 3 0 and 3 folks I never thought that they would start off the season 0 and 3 with the talent that they acquired and the so-called top 10 quarterback according to some experts and I'm not picking on Raider fans but you know you can't call yourself a top 10 quarterback if your quarterback can't be a Declining Titans team. You lost to the Chargers and you lost. You, you let one get away against the Cardinals. You melted it down. And Derek Carr is not the sole reason why, but he's part of the reason why. This guy is the Kirk Cousins of the AFC. Both are the same type of quarterback. They play average to bad teams. They put up great numbers. They look like world beaters. They look like MVPs. But on prime time and good teams, they don't seem to uh, get it together. They play their worst football. Just tell these guys that they are not playing on prime time and they'll be fine. Or they're not playing good teams and they'll be fine. And the Raiders have punched their ticket to sitting on the couch already. You can't start off 0-3 in what is now going to be a dominant AFC conference out there in the AFC West, which is the best division in football now, and hope to make the playoffs. It would take a meltdown by the Chargers, the Chiefs, 
and the Broncos, and I don't see that happening. The Broncos seem uh, hasn't hit their stride yet, but as long as they got that, that defense, they're going to be in the mix. Then you got Kansas City. They got Patrick Mahomes, enough said. And you got the Chargers. They got Justin Herbert, enough said. So what you're going to do, Raider fans? Well, ain't nothing you can do, but what is the Raiders going to do? Or are you happy with losing? More on that in a minute or in the next segment. So what what, what they gonna what they gonna do? They gotta figure it out. Make it competitive. Make it the best division in football because 0-3 and everybody else is two and one in that division. It's still the most competitive division, but you know, y'all gotta shape up. And I'm looking at some of these other games. Let's see. Let's see, go up north. Oh, yeah, Tom Brady lost yesterday <laughs> to Aaron Rodgers. Well, you know, that's not a surprise. It's Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, who do you think is better? A lot will say Tom Brady, he's the GOAT. More talented? Definitely Aaron Rodgers. But these are the two top two quarterbacks in business way for a very long time. So that shouldn't surprise you. But what was a surprise was it was a very low scoring game and Tom Terrific had trouble getting the ball, moving the ball and moving the chains up the field until late. Also, same with the Packers. The Packers looked good earlier. Then they just got stagnant, but their defense came through. Both teams had very good defenses in this game. Again, another low scoring affair with two of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. But uh, Tom Terrific jinxed himself when he wore that that yearbook picture of himself saying the best, uh, the most successful or something like that and looking straight goofy in his picture. And now, you know, time to put the Jordan faces and, you know, the Shannon Sharp faces on that one. That was kind of a jinx there, Tommy. Yeah, I think you know better next time. You're a smart guy. I know you won't do that ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch too much of that game, but uh, I was watching highlights and flipping through the channels and saw, man, nobody could score in that game. Two of the best quarterbacks and nobody can score. Nobody can really put up no points. You, were, you would think for certain when you saw this game on the schedule that at least 30 points by both sides was going to be scored. But who's going to get the that one more point or that one more field goal? It's early, though. I think offenses are still working out their kinks. Yeah, let me go on up. The Oh, yeah, yesterday. Oh, yeah, not yesterday, but Sunday. Um, Mac Jones got hurt. Yeah, man, it, it was. Uh, the hit didn't look that hard, but he got up limping. And I mean, hopping in pain and stuff like that. And I still don't know what the official report is on his injury because uh, I haven't been seeing the news on what his injury is. So it must not be too significant, which is very good, which is pretty good. You don't want to see nobody hurt or nobody's career derailed because of that injury. But it happens. But that was, you know, a very cringeworthy moment watching him hobble around. But also, let's talk about the Patriots. Can we accept the fact now that the Patriots are probably going to be on the decline? 
and probably been like that for a few years, but they've always been in the mix. They have, uh, for the better half of 20 years, dominated a division that didn't make Bill Belichick and Tom Brady sweat. The AFC East was a joke outside of the Patriots up until about a few years ago. And now that division is anybody's ball game. Mainly it's going to belong to the Bills and the Dolphins probably for a few years on out until the Jets can get it together. And the Jets have been a tough outing for the Patriots the last couple of years too. Though they haven't won all of them games, but they've, they've pretty much went down to the wire. So, you know, the Patriots might be the bottom feeder here uh, if Mac Jones doesn't improve and Belichick doesn't change his philosophy. And that philosophy is to keep everything in-house, which has not worked the last couple of years. Matt Patricia, as your offensive coordinator, ain't it. Put him back on the O-line because him as an offensive coordinator ain't it. Josh McDaniels seems to be only successful when he's with the Patriots because he's not been it when what he's doing so far. Throughout his tenure as a head coach, he's not been it. Um, your offensive philosophy is like Pete Carroll's philosophy, plain, vanilla, and ordinary, predictable, and teams know what to do against it. Mac Jones isn't the most gifted quarterback. You know, he doesn't do anything spectacular except for throw the ball inside the numbers very accurately, but his deep ball is suspect. You know, his mobility is, yeah. His pocket presence is pretty good, but um, when he faces eight-man fronts, you know, he don't seem to do so well, but he's a second-year quarterback, so he's still figuring it out, I guess. But also he has to stay healthy because that's two times this year where he's had uh, injury scares. All right. Any more NFC games that was uh Hmm. No, I mean, um Oh yeah, that Lions um Vikings game. That was pretty interesting. It didn't seem like that early on because the Lions had dominated first and then they allowed the teams back. And just like last week, they, they dominated the first half against the commanders and, you know, they gave them a little bit of life, but they held on. This time they couldn't hold on. And that's been kind of a problem with the lines. They were either down in a bunch of games and they would come back and make it interesting. Sometimes they would win or they would get early jumps and let teams back in. Their defense and their run game has been their primary Achilles heel. This year, they have a run game. This year, they have great weapons on offense. Their offense has pretty much been on point. But their defense has got to improve. But yesterday, um, you know, the, the Vikings didn't have key players playing. I think Dalvin Cook was out again, and they managed to weather the storm. Kirk Cousins came through. They won. 
but I'm not too sure about the Vikings. They've been so up and down the last few years. And, you know, it, it goes back to their quarterback and the coaches they've had. So, you know, that was a good game yesterday. And I'm trying to figure out if I have missed any more games. You know, you'll have to bear with me. I'm thinking the Thursday night game, not a surprise. I mean, I think the Steelers are kind of falling apart early. Maybe they'll pick it back up later, but they got to do something about the quarterback situation. They got to do something about their O-line and their lack of running game. They have a very good defense, but they've lost some people on defense already. So, you know, they got to figure some stuff out. It is early. Like I said, I keep saying it is early. But, you know, certain injuries to certain teams early in seasons kind of, you know, dictate how a season goes. Um. Let me go on down anymore. What up, the Falcons and the Texans? Well, I don't care who won that game. I mean, <laughs> I, I think the Falcons won that game, I think. But uh, that, that wasn't, I guess that was interesting. But, you know, I don't think either one of those teams have very many fans for anybody to care. And, you know, so... I think that wraps it up for what was going on in the league. And, you know, what to talk about was uh, great quarterbacks losing and things like that. All these, the, the best quarterbacks like Josh Allen and uh, Tom Brady and, and Patrick Mahomes, they all lost. Oh, my God. And they were talking like the end of the world was coming. And I was like, it's only week three. I would rather for them to lose in week three where the games aren't as important instead of week 13. The best quarterbacks, that's when they do. In week 13, week 14, week 15, when there's playoff scenarios, that's what they do. They win when they need to most. So, you know, you'll have to, um, you know, you take the good with the bad. You can't win them all, though. But, you know, I wouldn't go in panic mode so quickly. You know, it's just crazy. So, you know, any more, any more, any more. I'm, I'm going through the motions, folks. I'm going through the motions. So bear with me. Well, yeah, I think I covered everything. So, you know, maybe I'll see y'all in the next one. All right. Welcome back, everybody. This is part two of the segment. And of course, you know, I'm going to have to talk about my San Francisco 49ers. Now, where do I want to start? We're going to start with who they played. 
the San Francisco 49ers played the Denver Broncos at Mile High Stadium. And I would like to give a shout out to all of the faithful and the Niner Empire and the fans that went up there and represented. That's a, that's what we do. Every city we go to, we, we invade. It's been proven. You see the pictures. And no other fan base travels like we do. And if they do, show me where. Show me who. Bring them in. But that's not the discussion of the topic. The discussion of the topic is the game in itself. And the first start of the season, first official start of the season of one Jimmy Garoppolo facing an old adversary with a new team, Russell Wilson. He's playing for the Broncos. All right, to start off this game, I had this game as a low-scoring game. I had it being something like 20-16 to 16 or somewhere around there. But 20-16 to 16 was my final score. Well, I was right about what kind of game it was going to be, but wrong by several points of the outcome. And I had the Niners winning, of course. I felt we could win that game. Had our offense got it going enough to where the defense could rest, you know, they wouldn't have to face Russell Wilson at the end, but I always had in back of my mind that, you know, late in the game, the defense would have to face Russell Wilson in a crucial moment. And I have nightmares about that because Russell Wilson, you know, you can shut him down, shut him down, shut him down. But in a close game or within distance of winning, you know, he's always made our nine defensive linemen and linebackers be on skates, more so our defensive linemen. Our linebackers had to clean up and so did our safeties. But it would be too late. He would get a first down, a key throw or something like that. But, you know, the Niners had their opportunities in this game. And starting with, you know, I want to start with Kyle Shanahan's coaching. You know, I've said this. I'm not going to go on a tirade about Kyle Shanahan being this genius and he always gets a pass when things fall apart, but it's seemingly so. And people are starting to go, well, wait a minute. I'm seeing a trend here. And of course there are gatekeepers and people at all costs that will, you know, go out their way to protect his legacy. Again, his support system is strong among the league. He belongs to the, NFL good old boy club. If there was anybody else, Kyle Shanahan would have got a rip, would have would have got a new one ripped into him, and I would have probably felt sorry for the guy because the way they treated guys like Matt Nagy and um, the way they treated Nathaniel Hackett in Week One, and the way they treated any of these new coaches, you know, it was like they were. You know, giving them a lethal injection, but not Kyle Shanahan. And in the first quarter of that game, he coached a good game on offense on the third drive. And ever since then, there was about five or six straight three and outs. A lot of uh, running up the gut, uh, a lot of predictable runs for Debo. And here's something else. 
I think the league has figured out how to stop the wide back. You know, they 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 I think they made an extra effort to say, look, we're gonna be facing this team, and they like to use Debo. Now that Debo is back with that team and not being traded, this is what we need to do. And they I think defenses put aside everything else that they knew and practiced on how to stop the wide back because he's not been as effective as he should have been. Also, the way Kyle uses him, you know, he can't carry the ball more than maybe about four or five times a game and have him run up the gut. Again, Kyle loves running up the gut with smaller guys. You know, you got a couple of power guys and you don't even give them the, the ball to run up the gut. Make it make sense, Kyle. But you want Debo because he got a little bit more girth to run up the gut. That's not what he's he's good at doing. He He's around the edges guy. No, out in space. That's where he's always done his damage. Not up the gut, not up the B and the C gaps. And Kyle again, has gotten a bit of a pass from the major analysts in the NFL media, but not the new media, not the podcasters like myself and people on the YouTube channels. They don't really give him a pass no more because the jury is out and the results is out is that his offensive ranking since he became the head coach with him being such a offensive genius and guru is he's only had one season where the season was ranked in the top five. The rest was in the middle of the pack or dead last. Right now, the offense is ranked 28th in scoring. 28th. That's a Jim Tom Sula offense, bro. A Jimmy, that's a Jimmy Ray, Jeep Chris type offense. I want y'all to let that sink in. So, Kyle, you got to do better. But also, this is not all your fault because next we're going to talk about the quarterback. A lot of y'all ain't going to be ready for this, but here we go. Here we go. Jimmy G played a pretty solid first quarter. He played a pretty good first quarter. He threw a touchdown. They were saying it should have been uh pass interference, but hey, I was like, I've seen a lot of stuff against us that wasn't called in our favor that was let go, so why can't we have one? So at least give us that. He threw a touchdown to Brandon A.U., a nice pretty slant in the red zone. And you go, yeah, okay. But I knew in back of my mind, I knew better that something didn't seem right. He's he's getting it going early, but it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And that's been Jimmy's problem. And why is that? Well, we're going to break that down. After that, that, that scoring drive, which was the third drive in the first quarter, um, the defensive coordinator of the Denver Broncos said, you know what? 
we got beat because they ran on us. That's what they do best. No more. Play the box. Stack the box. Eight-man front. This has been Jimmy's Achilles heel. It's playing against an eight-man front. Why? Simple. Jimmy is a very limited quarterback. He's terrific in between the hash marks. But outside the hash marks and over the top is where he struggles the most. And teams know this. But let's go back a little bit. But also, let's, let's talk about him taking his first hit or his first sack of the game, which seemed to rattle him a bit. It seems like every time Jimmy gets hit or gets sacked, you know, party over. His first eight or nine, 10 throws, he'll go eight for 10, seven for 10, seven for nine. And then he gets hit or gets sacked. And his last 10 throws are not so spectacular. He'll go four for 10, five for 10. You know, his last 10 throws. But he'll, he'll, he'll end the game with a 67, 68% complete completion percentage because all his throws are, you know, bubble screens out in the flat behind the line of scrimmage slants up the middle, that type of thing. Nothing beyond 20 yards. And the Broncos defense knows this. In fact, every defense that he's going to play now on knows this and they're going to do it. They're going to challenge him. But I also want to touch on something that I found kind of uh, amusing and hilarious when asked the question about going deep. And, you know, it seemingly looked like he took a shot at Kyle Shanahan saying he needs to call more deep plays for him. And as you know, I'm no fan of either one of those guys, Jimmy or Kyle, but I have to side with Kyle on this one. Last year, the stat was out on quarterbacks completing the deep ball for 20 yards or more. And do you want to know what Jimmy's stat was in case anybody doesn't know or don't keep up with that? Jimmy was one for 10 on throws of 20 yards or more. One for 10, 10%, 10%. And I remember the throw he connected on. It was the 30 plus yarder uh, in Chicago. Pretty pass. And I mean, I remember cheering and going, clapping and stuff because that's a rarity for him to complete that kind of pass. So you had to rejoice as a 49er fan in seeing that. Because he doesn't he doesn't connect on deep balls. He's not good at that. And you expect Kyle to call more deep passes for you in every game, knowing your percentage will be low, but he should call more. I got to side with Kyle. You're not like that. You're not a deep ball thrower. You didn't try to get better at it over time. And here you are, a 31-year-old quarterback that can't throw the deep ball. But he did, however, complete two deep passes in the game for over 20 yards. Problem is, he couldn't do it consistently. And on those, those deep balls, you know, we went three and out on both passes. You know, he did complete 
more than one deep ball a game. But you probably won't see him complete two deep ball passes ever again as long as he's the starter. Because he's not that type of quarterback. His best year doing that was back in 219. He hasn't been good since at that category. But also, let's talk about Jimmy G's mistakes. I would say this. Jimmy G overall had about six, maybe seven very good throws that, you know, he could have built off of. But his problem is he's inconsistent. But let's talk about his mistakes, which were very costly. One in particular that was very costly and one in particular that's going to be talked about for a long time. Okay, his first mistake was a fumble, which was botched. Uh, I think more so the center, when he stopped the ball, uh, moved a little bit too early and was anxious to block the guy. And Jimmy couldn't get a full grip on the fumble. And when it fell forward, you know, he tried to grab the fumble with one arm instead of trying to, you know, get up on top of it, giving the Broncos the leeway of recovering the fumble. So that kind of was on the center first, but on Jimmy last. You know, I won't put that completely on Jimmy. But that, that that fumble did not cost us anything because the defense, more on them in a minute, did their job. Second mistake was the mistake of mistakes. <laughs> oh, man. And I call him a village idiot on Facebook. But also, that starts with the play calling. Back to Kyle. He calls a play-action pass on the half-a-yard line in our own territory. Instead of just running the ball, you know, possibly getting three, four, five yards, maybe get, give him some more breathing room, and then he can pass. But I still would have stuck with the uh, run if we would have got four or five yards out of it. It would have been third and short if we'd have picked up some more yards on it if we did not get the first down on second down. But he calls a play-action pass. Kyle does on this. Now, when you play-action pass, you go what? Almost 10 yards back? You give yourself some breathing room to throw the ball? But here's the deal. Jimmy saw that you can't go nothing but so far in the end zone. And he still backs up and self-safeties him. Self-safety giving three points away to the Broncos. And when he threw the ball, just as the whistle blew, it was it would have been a pick six. The defense reads his eyes. He throws off his back foot. An act of desperation and throws it almost directly to the defender or giving the defender, you know, leeway to catch that ball. And it would have been a pick six. We dodged a bullet there, but we still gave the Broncos three points. Jimmy, you're a nine-year veteran, bro. Six-year starter. There's no excuse for your lack of awareness. Rookie mistake, and I've I, and we've never seen rookies make that mistake. 
The only other person that has done that was a guy named Dan Orlovsky for the Lions during their winless season. And boy, was he happy. He was happy as hell, bro. <laughs> oh, man. He was having a field day. <laughs> um. The next mistake. The interception. This is Jimmy being Jimmy, folks. Every time he's thrown an interception, most of them come where? Up the middle. Or where the C and the B gaps are, you know, or anywhere up the middle where linebackers and safeties and corners creep right there. They read his eyes. They knew who it was going to. Okay, you guys got Kittle on lock. He's not going to try that, but he's going to try Debo. So let's give him a look and bait him into it and boom. Three defenders around him. The ball pops up. Interception. It's like he doesn't scan the field. He missed a wide open Debo on the third and three up the scene. And you can see the frustration on Debo's face. Wide open. All you had to do is launch it with perfect accuracy and timing. And, you know, he had time, but instead he checked it down or dumped it off by the hash marks. He doesn't scan the field, man. At all. And he constantly makes the same mistakes. Um... He's a nine-year veteran, and he's still making mistakes. I mean, what are we doing here? He can't read defenses. He can't beat teams over the top. And, you know, it was funny because in his – um Press conference last week after beating a Seahawks team that we should have beaten. The Seahawks team was not very good. You know, he gets out there with a big old cheesy smile on his face because he played a pretty solid game, of course. You know, he had one touchdown and one rush touchdown. And, you know, it feels good, baby. He says it's like riding a bike as if, you know, he didn't ride his bike for a whole year, got back on it and picked up where he left off like it was just yesterday. All good when you win, right? So after this loss, he goes to the press conference and says, well, you know, I ain't up to snuff. I'm rusty. Uh, I need more practice time with the guys. But common sense would tell you that if you miss training camp, all the practices and OTAs, but Tom Brady is missed training camp. So has other guys, and some of them uh, picked up where they left off. But Jimmy, this is these are the same core guys, give or take a few guys. They've added some guys, and they've, you know, some of the guys aren't there. But these, this is pretty much the same core, mostly, in the same playbook. You don't have new coaches. You still got Kyle Shanahan. Debo is still there. Ayuk is still there. Kittle is still there. 
Now, the running backs, okay, I get it. But you're just handing the ball off to the running backs and throwing it to them out in the flat. I mean, it seems to me Jimmy gets excuses, passes to me. Our rookie quarterback couldn't get the time of day. And I'm going to get on that in a minute, that in a minute. And I'm going to get on the last mistake, which was not Jimmy's fault. That was on Jeff Wilson Jr. That could have derailed a possible scoring drive, a field goal, or whatever. But something else that I've noticed, the defense was ready to go back to the locker room. And I don't blame them. Why? Because they've had to carry the offense all freaking night. Let's get on the defense. The defense was perfect, near perfect, outstanding. The only reason why they were not perfect was because they didn't create any turnovers. If they'd have created some turnovers, perfect. The defense don't get no criticism from me. They were outstanding. They only gave up nine points. Nine points. The defense was gassed out there. The more the defense is on the field, let me tell you something, folks, the more they're going to get gassed because they are taking punishment. They're taking big hits. They're running around. They're doing more running around than the offense is. They got to chase folks. They got to, you know, hit people and stuff. That, that, that wears you down. That's why time of a possession is important and your offense has to execute score points. You can't, you can't, have six-minute drives and come away with field goals or nothing at all. Some of those have to be touchdowns. And, you know, it gives your defense some breathing room. The defense was disciplined, outstanding, and they they were stout. One other flaw was they, they kind of got gashed a bit in the run game. But the Niners' uh, run defense has been suspect for a while here. But the defense did their job is what I'm saying. And it's not fair to them that they have to do everything with this 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 old school, you know, kick field goals and let the defense do everything for you. No, this is a vertical league. It's time for you to start scoring some points. And Kyle, this is on you. D'Amico Ryans is the best coach on our team. Sorry, folks, but D'Amico Ryans has held up his end of the bargain with getting the players, getting the best out of them, and producing the results. Problem is, the offense ain't up to snuff. The offense just isn't doing its job. And Kyle, for the life of me, just does not know how to utilize certain players, in particular his quarterbacks. I think with Jimmy, he knows what to do because he knows Jimmy is limited, so he can disguise some stuff. But how he's used Trey is a freaking shame. And we in the predicament we're in now. I want to touch base on the Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo situation. Now, all week one, all the week after week one, after planning the monsoon, pouring down raining, in case you haven't noticed, 
the Niners have the worst luck in that type of weather. I mean, we, we haven't been very successful in that type of weather at all. Trust me, I went to two rain games. Not fun at all to play in. Not fun at all to watch a game in. But for the life of me, Trey was treated like the Salem witch. Burnt to the stake after a few starts. Was not given a fair shake. And people yelled for Jimmy G. People should have said, they should have put Jimmy G in that game. But they failed to realize something. They failed. They, they forgotten about the fact that Jimmy G played in the monsoon similar to that last year against the Colts at home and laid a huge egg. He was atrocious. I would like to argue that Trey was the best thing on offense in that monsoon. He accounted for 80% of the yards. The Niners had 331 total yards in that game. Trey accounted for 208 of those total yards. He had 164 yards rushing and uh he no 218 of those yards, excuse me, and 54 yards rushing. He just didn't throw any touchdowns, but he was he had a an average decent game and accounted for most of the yards on the offense. But he got the brunt of the blame and he took the brunt of the blame, knowing that he was not all to blame because in that game, the penalties from the defense who was unprepared and undisciplined, killed us. And plus, Kyle's lack of you know, game plan and plan B and lack of detail killed us. But nevertheless, Trey got all the brunt. And people were yelling for Trey to be benched. Bring in Jimmy G. He'd have been better. Bring in Jimmy G. Okay, we start off the, the Colts game driving and moving the chains with Trey. You know, he produced three points on the board. Would have probably been on, on another touchdown if he didn't get injured on the second drive of the game. But let's say, you know, we'd have got a touchdown. Would have put us up 10 to uh, nothing. But Jimmy G comes in, throws a dink and dunk pass for four yards on third and six. The guy has to fight for the extra yard, gets five. We kick the field goal, six nothing. We were moving the chains with Trey against that bad Seahawks defense. Jimmy comes in, plays pretty solid. He throws a touchdown, rushes for a touchdown. Everything's hunky-dory, great. Yes, we finally got our guy. Yes, Jimmy G, you shouldn't have never lost your starting job. Yes, Jimmy G, you're our savior. Yay! Our savior's back. Our Jesus is back. Yay! He's going he's gonna to rip apart the Broncos. The, the, I've heard ridiculous scores like, oh, 38 to 10. Oh, we got this and all this other stuff. And I was like, well, okay. Now you see this game. Now it's back to reality. Actual reality. You were playing Madden. I was watching the real games. You all got shrines and altars. I'm like, let's wait and see. It is funny how a nine-year veteran has the support that he does and still plays like a rookie. Just like with Kyle, it is amazing how Kyle constantly gets a pass 
for bad situational football. As I said, Kyle is a great play designer and a play caller, but not a great coach. He's not a good coach at all. This man gets a doghouse. Nobody uh, questions his doghouse, why he's putting guys in the doghouse that he needs. And he ain't won nothing. Jimmy is a nine-year veteran. This is his sixth year as a starter, or if he finishes the season, a six-year uh, starter. And he's still constantly making the same rookie mistakes. Let's talk about the mechanics. He still throws off his back foot. He still gets jittery every time a lineman gets close to him. You know, you got to cringe every time he throws the ball. Every time he throws the ball, you you, you grip your fist. You, 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 you grit your teeth. And, you, you know, you just, your veins pop out your neck and stuff like that. You yank whatever hair you got out. This is what you get with Jimmy. He did not bother to get better. This is what you get with Kyle. He, does, he has not bothered to get better as a coach. Everybody keeps patting him on the back. You're a genius, man. You're, you're great. You're this and this and that. Nobody puts his ego in check. He had a guy named Mike McDaniel who's doing well down in Miami. He's 3-0. Putting him in check. Telling him what he needed to do to save himself. And he couldn't stand it. He was glad he went down to Miami and took that job. I tell you that with confidence. Cal produces great coaches. Under his wing, he's had Sean McVay, LaFleur, Mike McDaniel, some of these other guys. Some of them have won Super Bowls. Cal produces great coaches. Why is that? Oh, because he's a genius. No, because once they get away from Kyle, they actually got some freedom to do something. Look at Mike McDaniel. People uh, 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 gave up on Tua after his rookie year. And now Tua is playing with a lot of heart, as he always does. And he's playing well. All he needed was somebody to put his arm around him and say, you got this. This is what you need to do. And I'm going to walk you through it. That's what Mike McDaniel does. That's what he was going to do with Trey. But oh, Mr. Egotistical Kyle. It's back when you're the highway. <laughs> nah, bro. Kyle, not it, man. But y'all say, who are you going to replace him with? Well, you know, Sean McVay, I think he wants to come back to coaching. Where the Cowboys will snatch him up uh, with control freak Jerry. That ain't going to last, even if he does. I'm not saying fire Kyle, but where is the accountability factor with him? He never takes accountability. I think he did, he did after this game because he knew the jig was up. More people was getting on his case. And now, is the balance going to shift with his support system and with his critics? Is it equal now? Not close yet, but it's getting there. And he did take some accountability. I will give him credit after this latest press conference. But he never did before because everybody was singing his praises. And as far as Jimmy, he, he never takes accountability either. Every time he throws a pick, he smiles. You know, well, we. Not on, it, no, he never said it's on me. See, Trey said it was on me after that Chicago game. Took full responsibility, even though he shouldn't have. It was the right thing to do because it makes you look like you're a, a genuine guy. But 
everybody knows that went on Trey. All on him. But with Jimmy, oh, we got to do better. We, we love him because of his smile. Let me tell you something. I like Jimmy G as a person. Not as a quarterback. In fact, I would bet my money if Jimmy was to uh, retire from, you know, football, he has a bright future over there in Hollyweird. Netflix would be ringing at his doorbell, blowing up his phone, and I would say, hey, dog, you need to go after that. Netflix, Amazon Prime, Universal Studios, you know, you got the Hollywood good looks and the smile, bro. Go ahead, go after it. Because I look at it like if Bobin Marjanovic uh, has a big scene with Keanu Reeves and John Wick 3, you can have that too, bro. You can have that too, bro. I mean, we all agree John, uh, Jimmy G looks like Hollywood. He looks like freaking Cary Grant and, and you know, he, he does, man. He has the, that look, man. We can't deny that. But he's not a quarterback. Not to me. He hasn't gotten better. Ever since he signed that big contract, he ghosted the organization and nobody could find where he was. Nobody got in contact with him. And you know when he first popped up again? When you saw him with that porn star. And I was like, ooh, man, that, that ain't a good look. I mean, you know, I'm not judging him. He can do whatever he wants to. I ain't mad at him, but his awareness is what, what you know, concerned me. And his show in the game the other night. His lack of awareness, his pocket awareness is bad. And just his awareness in general after that safety. They now call him Safety G. Safety G. Somebody said it. It was, it was one person that said it. And I'm surprised it didn't stick more, but they called him Safety G. <laughs> Safety G. We all know that Stephen A. Smith calls him porn star Jimmy, and rightfully so. But I ain't mad at him for that, but his lack of awareness scares me. And his lack of accountability is concerned. But he's been called a class act. And how he handled the whole backup situation was classy. But, you know, let's not act like this guy you know, doesn't take accountability for his mistakes because he does not. But Trey gets treated like the Salem witch. And he's probably sitting up there like, well, this is who y'all wanted. This is what 60% of the fan base wanted. And it's the classic example of be careful what you wish for. But I think more so it starts with Kyle and Lynch first. John Lynch ain't off the hook on, on this either because um he's whiffed on some he's whiffed on some obvious talent. Big time in the draft. But I'm gonna say that for another day though. Also, it's only gonna get tougher for us. It's gonna get harder and harder as for us because the injury report came out yesterday that Trent Williams has a high ankle sprain and anybody that knows about high ankle sprains know that them things take a long time to heal in some cases or probably in all cases I've heard they were like worse than breaks and fractures so Trent Williams is going to be out four to six weeks they say and he's 34 years old that is a huge blow to whip 
our offense wants and needs to do. So it's only going to get harder for us. Colton McKivitz has a big task on his hands. And from what I heard about him in training camp, he's had an up and down training camp. So we'll see if he adjusts well in game time situations. Also, one of our starting linebackers, Al Shazir, who's been big for us, he's going to be out multiple weeks with an MCL sprain, much like Elijah Mitchell is. So, yeah, man, that, that might be a devastating blow to our defense as well, but I don't know if it'll derail the defense to that to the point where they'll just fall off. But, you know, that's something to keep an eye on. So, you know, I mean, this is where we're at now, folks. You have Jimmy G. Um, I know a lot of you will ride it out because you don't want to be wrong and you hope that he succeeds. And I hope he succeeds too because I want I want our sixth Super Bowl. But I'm, I, ju I just seen too much of Jimmy G and Kyle to know that I know better. They have not shown me that they have gotten better at what they needed to get better. And, you know, maybe a wing and a prayer could get us to the Super Bowl. A wing and a prayer so much as that Kyle coaches better when you need him to coach and Jimmy plays better when you need him need him to play but also I know you know as long as there's going to be eight man fronts and he's forced to throw the ball a little little more instead of throwing it 21 times a game or 18 times a game or whatever it was intended for him to throw he's going to have to throw it 30 35 possibly even 40 times a game and I'm not sold that he can do that consistently the last time he did that was three years ago in the NOLA game so as long as he's seeing eight-man fronts, we're going to struggle. Hopefully, you know, teams are going to be dumb and not do the eight-man front and let our running game run all over him and have him just pitch, you know, you know, in the, within the seams and stuff like that and not pass the hash marks, we'll be fine. But this is the NFL. It stands for not for long. I quote Jerry Glanville. Teams will figure you out and force you to do things you're not accustomed to doing and you're not good at doing. And we have 14 more weeks to go. Will it go for the good or will it go for the bad? Good or bad, good or bad, good or bad. We shall see. But until next time, you know, y'all take care. Thank you for listening. Peace, I'm out.